Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Mavericks. Your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked on Mavericks for October 10th. It's a Monday, and we probably sound really, really good compared to how I usually sound. Um, feel free to give us a uh, rating or subscribe to the feed in general if you have the time and the interest, and if you appreciate the, the work. Uh, we'd really we'd really like that if you did that. Um, I'm Mike Marshall. I'm one of your hosts. Uh, sitting across from me for the first time while doing this is Jacob Kemp of Sports Radio 1310 The Ticket. Yeah, it's Monday, October 10th, which means we have a uh, preseason game that happens Saturday night in Milwaukee to uh, pick over. But first, I'd like to uh, point you towards the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, if you have a favorite football team, uh, there's a Cowboys one out there. If you want to go check that out, if you're into fantasy sports, go check that out as well. It's the uh, Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, and it's every single day. We have, uh, you know, it's exactly like this, but with a different topic and probably more focused than we are. So uh, if you want to check that out, but... um. Yeah, thank you for listening. We're having fun with it. We are, um, let's see, 16 days now from the regular season. And all that matters to me is uh, how many episodes we have to do before real basketball games <laughs> start happening. So um, hey, we had a game Saturday night in Milwaukee. Um, yeah, uh, the next preseason game will be tomorrow night right here at the AAC against the Oklahoma City Thunder which I might find a way to sneak into uh, if I can. If those uh, seasoned credentials aren't quite ready yet, Jake, it just seems to be a problem every year as if the, as if the start of the season just keeps moving on them. <laughs> as if it's just like a rabbit they can't catch. Like, when is this season going to start? <laughs> when do I need these credentials ready? Um, but yeah, we're going to pick over a little bit of that. If you want to submit some questions, uh, you can to uh, at LockedOnMavs on Twitter. Or LockedOnMavs at gmail.com, so long as I can remember the password for that to go and find your questions. Uh, you can follow along with the show at LockedOnMavs, or uh, follow me at Machine Sports or Jake at NotJackKemp. Uh, so preseason game number two, a just uh, a devastating loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know how they bounce back from this one. 74 to, uh, to 88 uh, Saturday night. Uh, Dwight Powell, your uh, high scorer for the game. Um, I guess the thing that sticks out to me, there's two things. Um, one is Seth Curry played well again, and the other that uh, we can't get too far into this without touching on is how stinking bad Harrison Barnes was. Once again, 3 of 13 from the floor. All of his makes were dunks, either on backdoor cuts or in transition they found him. Uh, did have seven boards, which was nice, which is a nifty number if you're only playing 19 minutes. Um, negative eight overall, and I guess the question is, how long in, 
how long or how far into the preseason um, without a decent Harrison Barnes um, performance to hang my hat on can I go before I just start freaking out about him not being, you know, a above-average offensive player? I think it's really, really unlikely that all of a sudden he just flips some switch in the regular season. Um, he is what he is, I think, and and they're going to try to make him more than that and maybe down the line – he can be the third best player on a really good team, but as far as trying to get him to generate his own offense, as you said, uh, his points in this game came off of you know someone else found him offense, and they move the ball well enough with Bogut. Dirk can still pass pretty well, um, and they've got a number of capable, not necessarily ball handlers, but guys who can move the ball. That I think he'll have a little bit easier time trying to fit into a bigger role on this team than he might on another. But it's never going to be easy. It's never going to look right. And in general, I'm already at the mode that you're waiting to get to. Yeah. I, I already think, dude, it's he is what he is. Now, if he can knock down the three, yeah, which he did the other night, but if he can... You can make up for a lot. You can make up for a lot. That's but, right. I mean, I, I think we both assume the, uh, the percentages would be down because you're playing in just not as good of an offense. Um and I figured, you know, his totals would be up. Counting stats would be, you know, nice and shiny. You know, 15 and probably eight boards or something like that and a couple assists a game. Um, something you can throw into basketball reference and narrow down to. Only 25 players in the league are doing this. But uh, I, I assume the percentages would be bad. I didn't think they would be like, what was he first game? One of 11? One of 11 and then three of 13. And then three of 13. So he's made four shots on 24 shots taken. Um, didn't really play at all in the Olympics. Nope. Um, was awful in the finals. Right. Um, didn't really offer them a whole lot in the Western Conference finals. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're looking at six months since he's played good basketball. Yeah, that's that's odd to think <clears throat> about. No, he's 25, 24, so it's not like it's the end. And yeah. it's not like... Uh, that really is like the best thing you can say about it. Yeah, at <laughs> least... I mean, these preseason games don't matter. They don't like, matter, but you'd like to see... For for all the okay, he's not he's not checking any of the boxes that I want him to check, and that uh, Rick would trust him as a pick and roll ball handler. See, that's that ain't I, happening. That's my thing is I would rather see him failing trying that yeah. than failing with what he currently is doing, which is just kind of the same player he was before. <laughs> and I didn't watch uh, the other night's game; I only saw the highlights. Yeah. But in watching the first game, it wasn't even really like they were trying to do anything different with him. Mm -hmm. He was still just Harrison Barnes. Yeah but almost like a worse version of Harrison Barnes because he's on a worse team. Yeah, and uh, people kind of obsessed about his behind-the-back um, yeah. knockdown of the three in the first game and uh, didn't really focus on the fact that, that was his one make for the night. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... These preseason games don't mean dog-ass whenever you get down to it, but as you're going down the sheet of... Um, Things I've seen from players that have taken the next step in their career uh, in the offseason leading up to it, he's not checking a single one as of yet. And, you know, I'm not going to worry. I'll see game one. If he's leading the team in shots game one, if he takes uh, 17 attempts game one and makes four of them, like then I might be like, okay, yeah, we got a real problem going on. Well, um, on the flip side, uh, before we move on to Bogut, mm-hmm. Another lights-out game from Seth Curry. Yeah, man. 
Um, you want to talk about looking like somebody's taking the next step. Yeah, dude. He is legit. Like, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, there's going to be some games where Seth Curry's going to drop 20 on some people, and it's going to be like a game-changing effort. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but... I mean, I think we're driving the bandwagon, like where we've got the uh Dude, I ripped the freaking <laughs> steering wheel off. <laughs> we're we're holding the reins and just going cha cha like the entire way into the regular season. But uh five of eleven, played twenty one minutes, uh basically starters minutes, um, two assists, two steals, uh plus six. Uh was only one of four from three, but the one three was pretty badass. Yeah. It was a uh I did see that. It was a two for one at the end of the third quarter where he just breaks free of somebody with a quick crossover dribble and throws it from almost half court. But it was just like a set shot. Like, it wasn't like a freak out. You know when you lunge and you get right. your body into a shot? He just, like, pulled up from, God, that had to be 30. That had to be 30 damn feet and it just splashed. And I was like, yeah, I've seen that before from your brother. Yeah, right? It <laughs> looks familiar. He's kind of filling it up a little bit, too. Yeah. And he was really good when attacking the basket. I don't think it's crazy to think that he's their starting point guard at the end of the year. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, because, just because D-Will's not going to be able to go sure. and they're not going to want to you know, alter the rotation of bringing... I still think Beret is better as a bench player. Probably. Uh, and if you just bring him that punch with him and uh, J.A. off the bench, yeah. I, if, if I have to choose which one of those guys fills in for three weeks at the end of the year whenever D-Will can't go, yeah. I'm going Curry. Yeah, it just depends when uh when when Darren gets his hernia or when Darren hurts his ankle. Yeah. Like if it's at the end of the year, like it, you know, probably should be as he starts wearing down, um, then yeah, I don't that's not insane. I don't think that's insane to uh to think Seth Curry might be starting game one of a playoff series. What uh what are your thoughts on letting D Will play in the preseason at all? I mean, um, on one hand it's like he needs it. He needs it. On the other hand, I want to put him in bubble wrap. Yeah. I, that's tough, man. Uh, he clearly needs to break back into it because he had hernia surgery and then he had something else this off season. So he's back to having, you know, multiple surgeries every off season. Uh, and we saw like Wes is a bad example because Achilles isn't exactly the same as everything else that's happened to Darren, but I think he needs to get a, get a little bit of run and yeah. with the, you know, it's not point guard. It's not a elite point guard depth, but you still have Berea and you still have Curry and if Darren's minutes need to be limited for the first month, I'm fine with that. You yeah. just got to get him ready where he's useful when he's on the court. Him and Bogut definitely have some rust. Yeah. Bogut's uh, what, 0 for 2 from the field, um, six boards, two assists, a, uh, a block and a turnover, and four fouls in 14 minutes, which isn't great if you want to keep him on the, on the court. And that leads us to uh, something um, I talked about with uh, Jonathan Charks of the ringer last week. Uh, we had him on to discuss his, um, his Harrison Barnes article, which is really interesting. Had some, uh, interesting numbers about when Barnes slides up to the four, when Bo gets on the court with him. Um, and kind of got me a little bit excited. Um, we talked about that and, you know, I had some, the questions that we've been throwing back and forth to each other of, um, even when you add up the starting five and you're generous with, with, uh, Wesley Matthews, usage percentage and you're generous with Harrison Barnes uh usage percentage there is still this chunk of possessions this chunk of plays uh from their starting lineup that are unaccounted for and it's like nine percent of their offense yeah because you lose Zaz you go Zaz out of Bogut um you go Parsons to Barnes 
and like, like keeping a, them the same yeah keeping them the same or you know rough approximation mm-hmm. and uh i asked him like what do you what it, where do these go like what happens here and he threw out the idea of contract year to andrew bogut and that just got my head spinning as if i you know he just pulled a rabbit out of a hat and had some kind of reveal that i had not quite thinking of, thought about yet um he dropped down into the water tank and then appeared in the stands like 30 <laughs> seconds later. I was like, what are you talking about, man? Well, it sounds weird because whenever you say contract year, anybody, you're usually thinking about someone who is in Parsons or Barnes' situation, like somebody who's getting their second deal yeah. and they're about to cash in huge. Going going for a max contract is what <laughs> right, you think but about contract year. He'll be in his, this is his 11th season yeah, or 10th or 11th. So next year he'll be 32. Um, so... The term contract year might just mean that he's trying to stay in the league. Yeah. Um, but what's wild is he had a usage percentage of 11.4 last year. And if you just go back to his last year in Milwaukee, it was double that. Mm-hmm. Like there was a day where Andrew Bogut, only four years ago, was a 21% usage player. Like he wow. was he was eating twenty one a fifth of his team's possessions as a big man. Uh-huh. That's DeAndre-like. Yep. Uh, now, last year, obviously, on the team that he was on, that's not the way they needed him to play. And the question is, how much of that still lives here? How much of 2013, 2012, Andrew Bogut still lives here? Because I would not be at all surprised to see him put up a usage rate that's higher than anything he ever did in Golden State. I think I think that's probably a healthy guess. Like five years after the fact. Yeah. And, I mean, it's been a little over five calendar years. Since Bogut has been um, a really, really good offensive player, and he gave Milwaukee 16 points, 10 boards, um, his uh, effective field goal percentage was a 5.20, and like he was a number one overall pick, right? But he was never like, I don't know, you didn't draft him thinking he's gonna be a Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis type transcendent offensive player. I think a lot of his value has always been on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And it's to this day, that's like the older you get and the more things that start getting taken away from your skill set, I think you like start focusing on a real finite number of ways to use dudes like that. And I don't know if it was stubborn or if he just can't really produce if you give him the ball or, you know, up his usage percentage to 15% in Golden State. But they're a smart team. <laughs> and they're a really good team. And them not using Bogut, I don't think that was insane. I guess my question is, if you do give Bogut, what what would 15% be? Like two to three more possessions a game? Like, go post up. Have fun. Yeah. Um, do something. Pass out of it. Yeah. Is that is that a good usage of your possessions on offense? Um, Given what they have around him, I would say yes. Um, Because they don't really have anybody that can attack the basket from the perimeter uh, at least in the starting five and because he can pass out and they have a you know a decent number of shooters around him <clears throat> I think that it's they've there's no doubt that's that might be their best option I'd rather give him more possessions than watch Harrison Barnes flounder around uh trying to create the pick and roll like I have way more confidence in Bogut's ability to baby hook you know, from eight feet than I do for Harrison Barnes to attack. So 
Dude, I don't think it's crazy at all. He might end up being like their most valuable player. Yeah. I mean, we all kind of think it swings on Wesley Matthews. Um, but Bogut is going to see considerably more work this year than he has in, in recent years. I mean, last year he averaged 1.7 free throws a game. <laughs> I can guarantee you that that will at least double, maybe triple. He's going to be shooting four free throws a game. Yeah, and I think all these numbers will go up just naturally because he's going to play like 25 minutes a game. As opposed to yeah, what? 20. 20? Yeah, barely 20, yeah. Um, I think that's just a... People are going to look at the totals as they do, um, you know, at all-star break or something and uh, say, oh, man, eight points and nine boards a game. Like, oh, he should for sure. Like, what ha- what has changed for Andrew Bogut? Like, uh, man, he really found his game this year. It's like he's playing five more minutes on the court. Like, I don't know how we still fall into that trap, but <laughs> but as a as a NBA fandom, people still fall into that. Um, and I think all his – the counting stats will be up because he's playing – you take a quarter of his minutes played and you add it on top of his totals. And uh, that's the kind of production you'll get. And I think that's the question, what you brought up is the question you have to ask yourself. If you're in there drawing up plays and your, your, your optimum formula for a very um, stunted Mavericks offense, is it getting Bogut the ball in the post for two to three more possessions a game? Or is it, Letting Harrison Barnes create. Because everything else is kind of going to be stagnant. Yeah. Like, Darren, we know what Darren is. I think we know what Wes is going to be. You know where Dirk's shots come from. Yeah, I can I can guess pretty closely about what Wes is going to be. Um, I bet Wes is about like a 19 usage, maybe 20. Um, probably handles more pick and rolls than he's comfortable with, that kind of stuff. But there's that. that's the difference. That's where it breaks. Um, is would you rather have Bogut? handling the ball either high post or um you know down low on the block or Harrison Barnes trying to blow by somebody one on one and this jab stepping to death and then eventually just taking a a jumper um contested probably <laughs> yeah no i mean he's you know what the rest of it is and he's not going to roll right like he's not going to he's not going to be like rim running um he'll baseline run on you though yeah he can get the the back door but I have no problem with him being like a featured part of their offense. For me, it's more about how will he be able to – I know he can do it. My question is, can he do it while, while playing eight more minutes a game? Yeah. And I'm not sure about that. And For I don't sure. know that anybody can be sure about that. And being leaned on so heavily on the defensive end. Like he's not just the goalie, but he's like the only person that's going to step in front of somebody. Um, I mean, I guess we'll wait to see what Harrison Barnes brings you um, on the defensive end, but – I think Dirk is always going to be just playing his man with the assumption that Bogut's going to clean up whatever's happening. Yeah. Darren's going to be the same way. Um, that takes a lot out of you. Like, it really does. People don't think about two-way players and just genuinely going as hard as you can on both ends of the floor. It doesn't happen that often. And that's why those dudes are special. Yeah. Um, I had something else, but it just escaped me. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I think it was. It was it's important to point out it's not him going for um, a max contract. It's not him even wanting to get out of here. You know what I mean? I think him picking here over Houston tells me that he wanted to start, he wanted to get 25 minutes a game, and he wanted to make sure that after this season he can walk into a front office, you know, whether it be here 
or you know you go on the road you take your binder on the road and you lay it in front of somebody and somebody's willing to give you you know two years 16 million yeah and if you add a little bit of offense to his game i'd be fine with that right now like let's do an extension like he's clearly one of the best uh defensive players in the league when he plays when he's on the court the minutes that he affects and if he adds just some kind of offense um he doesn't have to add it necessarily. You just have to utilize it. Right. Um, I think he's playing for that separation between a mid-level exception type guy and getting closer to $10 million a year on a multiple-year uh, deal. I don't think it's crazy at all to think that he is like like a 10-10-2 guy this year. Yeah. And those guys get $8 million a year. I mean, mm-hmm. how old is Jan Mahimni? Jan's 29, I think. So they're not that far apart in age. No. What did he get? Jan got not as much as I thought he would get, but he got a bunch. I think he might have got... He got somewhere around like three for 30 or something like that. Four for 64. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Four for 64? So yeah. it's 14 a year? Yeah. Did I do that math right? Yeah, roughly. A yeah. little over that. Four um, for 64. A little over that. So Damn. He, last year he averaged... And again, his age 29 season, so they're only separated by two years... Last year, uh, he averaged 9.3 points, 1.1 block, 7 rebounds. And I think Bogut last year was at like 6 points, 7 boards, and 2 blocks. Uh, And that's in Yamahimi playing 5 more minutes a game Mm -hmm. than Andrew Bogut did last year. So if Bogut plays 25 minutes a game this year and turns in a line similar to, and again, this is counting stats, not even defense, uh, outside of the blocks. Yeah, he's Bogut's If he has defender. 9.3, 5.2, 1.1, he'll be two years older than Jan Mahimni was. The cap is going up again next year. It'll go. I think it's going to go back down a little bit after that. But that got Jan $15.5 million a year. That's incredible. So if you don't think Bogut is going to get eight yeah. for, I mean, he, he definitely will. Okay, it's just a matter of how many minutes he, he can play and how many games he can go. Better example. I liked yours. Better example, Joe Kim Noah. Right. Like, that's Injury the concerns. Same, same kind of dude. The yeah. exact same kind of dude. Um, can't play that many minutes. Probably don't want to stretch him over 25 a game. Um, how about four for 74? Yeah, how about that? Like, uh, I don't know if he'll get near that because for some reason we don't think of Bogut in that light. Um, but uh, I listened to... I don't think people understand how bad Zaza was for half the season last year. Yeah, the, he just was so good early that it and the kind problems, of all fell in love. Yeah, and the pro- I mean, he still caused the same problems. They just became uh, warts whenever he wasn't doing the other fun stuff. Yeah, uh, it was like after he strained his Achilles, going to the All Star break, and I was listening to um, Tim McMahon was on um, Dunked On podcast, and uh, go check that out. I'm not gonna be stingy person that doesn't promote other people's podcasts. I don't sure. care about that. Go listen to that. It, it was good. It was interesting. And I love Nate Duncan. I think he's one of the smartest NBA dudes around. Uh, but he was saying that like Bogut, Zaza to Bogut was like a downgrade. And I'm like, mm. in what world? Yeah. Like what? You didn't see the last 40 games, my yeah. man. And I mean, if, if Zaza had, if he had done what he had done for the first two months of the season for the entire year. Yeah. And Bogut can only go like 50 games, then maybe. Mm-hmm. But if Bo gets able to go 65 games, yeah, and he's even exactly what he was last year, right. then I'm going to have to disagree with him on that. 
Yeah. I don't think that there's a huge difference between Andrew Bogut and Joe Kim Noah right now. Probably not. I think they're both, you know, guys who are going to have injury concerns, mm-hmm. who have, they're a very hard 30 or 31. Yeah. They both don't roll to the basket. Right. Uh, and aren't really pick and roll players, but they both pass pretty well. And they're I trust glue guys. Bogey with the ball more most of the time. I mean, Noah's a really good passer, but like outside of that, I might be more. Co- and both of them are really good. I mean, they they're almost the same dude. Yeah. Now that I think about it, um, Bogut might get a you know higher block percentage and stuff like that. But yeah, that's bizarre to think about. And um, Zaza to Bogut. Maybe I'm just thinking too much of on-the-court effect whenever you're actually playing in the game and not taking into account the other um, you know, 23 minutes that have to be accounted for from mm-hmm. your backup center. And uh, you know, in the, in the 17 games he's going to miss this year, um, you know, minimum. But I think when Bo gets on the court compared to what we saw, and I'm I'm doing an average of the Zaza season. The first half and the second half. Yeah. The second half was just so stinking bad. And the first half was just pretty good. I dude, I'd rather play with Bogut. Like you look over there at your center, who would you rather have standing there? I'd rather have Andrew Bogut. Yeah. Than Zaza. And even as a backup, you know, Salah can eat up. I think Salah is is a fine backup five. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. So it's not like when he leaves, they're just gonna have to play like a completely different style of back. It's not like having, you know, for our as great as Brandon Wright was at what mm-hmm. he did, I mean, they basically became a different team. It was a different playbook. Whenever, whenever they... Yeah. And Salah can roll like mm-hmm. Bogut can't, but they're not so far apart. I mean, you're not playing a six eight five. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there's our discussion on uh, contract year Bogut. Uh, later in the week, we'll probably get to some uh, over-under win totals for the Mavericks and the Western Conference, and we might uh, touch on that Justin Anderson article. That was uh, done in Basketball Insiders, the long-form conversation he had in there. But uh, we'll see you tomorrow and uh, maybe ramp up for that uh, Oklahoma City preseason game number three here. Jake, thank you for your time. Good times. Uh, Thank you for listening to Locked on Mavericks and uh, checking out the Locked on Podcast Network in general. We'll see you tomorrow. Somewhere deep inside your mind, there's a place where dreams live. And now those dreams have the chance to come to life. Because USAA Life Insurance is sponsoring the Live Your Dream sweepstakes, where you could win $50,000. That's $50,000 to let those dreams out of your head and into your hands. Enter for a chance to win and view official rules at www.usaa.com slash lifesweeps or call 1-800-531-LIFE. No purchase necessary. USAA Life Insurance Company, San Antonio, Texas, and in New York, or USAA Life Insurance Company, New York, Highland Falls, New York.